0: Skill shortage. It's a problem all businesses have had from time to time and is currently a hot topic in the trade and manufacturing industries in Australia. So how do we overcome? How can we refocus the issue and look for solutions to get the people we need for our business? I'm your host, Jason Button, and with me on today's podcast is the CEO of SecureLux, Daniel Roberts. SecureLux is a family-owned, southeast Queensland-based business, which is an authorised Crimsafe licensee they specialize in security shutters and film applications to protect homes and businesses it's going to be an intriguing chat and one i'm sure you're going to enjoy so let's dive in you're listening to WorkerX x edge the podcast designed to break down business challenges and turn them into competitive advantages to take your business forward daniel welcome and can you give the audience a bit of a once over about yourself
1: hey jason thanks for having me um hello listeners i've been working in the Security screen industry in our family business to kill us for just over 12 years now. In that time, obviously sort of worked my way up from looking after everything from an office function, so you know, answering phones, doing account functions, marketing functions, getting out on site, helping with the installers when they chipped in manufacturing. Over that period, as we started to grow, I took a real interest in the business side of the business, and I just think there was so much opportunity, so over that time, we have expanded in size, so we've gone from having five individuals in the team right up to 30 now. So obviously with that, and we speak a lot, Jason, there's a bunch of different challenges every time you, you add a couple of extra uh, extra people. But with those challenges, we find uh, find ourselves always looking at the opportunity. And sometimes some of our, our best uh, steps forward as a business have come from almost being having a forced evolution into changing how we do something, having no choice but to make a change and that change being the best thing for the business. My role now is still very much in the business, but as much as I can, I now work on the business. So we're looking at, we've got our own software development, got our own some of our own product extrusion, and we're looking to expand on all that over the next few years so pretty exciting time to be in business and you know hopefully in this uh, podcast we can share a few tips or get a few listeners on board that want to reach out and maybe collaborate with us
0: yeah it's awesome daniel as you can probably tell daniel's well versed in a lot of the challenges and opportunities right throughout throughout the industry. So it's going to be really fascinating to cover a lot of this content with him. And uh, a little bit about myself. So I've come from a, a business background, marketing, advertising, project management, economic development. I've worked with a lot of different sized businesses from small businesses right through to your large government businesses, private sector, government sector as well so non for profits so seen a a few bits and pieces in my time so yes i'm pretty pumped about starting this little podcast with daniel and seeing what sort of uh, good content we can get out there send out to you guys and just really i suppose open your eyes and ears to the different way of looking at things and hopefully we can overcome some of the challenges we currently face so To kick off, Daniel, I know that this is a pretty big issue that a lot of businesses are facing currently, and that is skill shortages. So what's your take on it, mate? What are you seeing from an industry point of view? And why have we arrived at this point where we're really struggling to find people?
1: Yeah, it's a fascinating space at the moment, employing people. You're juggling multiple obstacles, I think. You've you've got your current team who have been gone through the COVID period, probably started off everyone being uncertain and about their job, that obviously started to play on people's minds. You then sort of, in our industry anyway, we found it had the opposite effect where we kept everyone on and we actually saw growth in our revenue growth in our sales how much product we'll take um, you know sending out so over the last two years i guess a lot of people haven't been able to travel so they've thrown themselves at their work i think 2022's probably shown that there's now some of those individuals are probably experiencing some burnout so you've got that challenge and then you've also got the challenge of when you do put a job ad up attracting some experienced talent so in our space there isn't necessarily a training course or a direct line to apprentices to get people. So you purely have to find someone has to apply for your job within the industry or you have to commit to training them up from scratch. So that's obviously the path that we've taken ourselves over the years. But we have found that the actual applications that we've received per job has dropped. So while we're still doing that, it's probably not in line with how quickly we're growing as a business. Um, over the last few months, obviously, you and I have spoken about it. We, I think there's a massive, massive opportunity for some collaboration with other businesses to identify your strengths and offer them to other businesses, but also identify your weaknesses and not be afraid to ask for help. Though, so what's your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I think it's I think it's a really good point. Because from what we've seen from an industry point of view and uh, what we see in a lot of trades. Spaces is for want of a better term poor training standard it's been really difficult i guess it's been really difficult to see how the different methods have evolved over the different generations and people's viewpoints on work and so forth so I think the old training method of sink or swim or the apprentice or the junior's got to get in there and if he breaks, he or her has to pay for it and all that sort of stuff. It sort of isn't really flying and cutting it with some of the newer generations coming through. I'm not going to say they've got a level of entitlement or or anything like that, but probably there's varying levels of patience of waiting to build up that sort of IP and knowledge bank and wanting to get stuck in straight away. So is that sort of what you've seen in the past like how i guess if you're doing in in-house training i think that's one of the big i suppose the the collaboration is the flip side of that once you've got people up to a certain level but just going back to no no official trader recognised training what, what's your take on the training standards In our industry? Yeah, I think in in the industry, but also I suppose you obviously liaise with quite a number of people, you know, suppliers and so forth, and have a lot of people in your network. I mean, what's your take on? Because obviously some of our listeners, they're sitting in their business, they might have some senior guys there and might want to look at that additional capacity, but it's that partnering up with getting that person who might be green or from a different background coming into the business and getting the best, I suppose, return investment on site when you're looking at doing your training.
1: Yeah, I think training, you know, in our space and there'll be other industries in the same situation where you you put someone on who you've got to train from scratch, but you're you're not giving yourself the time during the day to focus on their development because you're giving yourself that a full run of installations, or you've got x amount of product that has to go out. So it's a very hard space because you might not necessarily be able to afford to give up that time to slow down to get that person to a position where they're then in, independent and you're getting some fruit from your investment. So I think that's where the collaboration piece is quite handy, right? Because if you can sort of balance collaborating with another business who's doing the exact same things as you, whilst you're still putting the time and effort into your own training, your own support resources and stuff for your team, so you can be doing that, maybe take the foot off the pedal in, uh, personally 20% because you want to put that 20% into that new um, individual but actually working with another business and saying hey can you take on a couple of extra jobs for us and making it a win-win know obviously other countries must be something similar to that do you know like the other other countries overseas and stuff look at collaborating a little bit differently from what you think I mean in the EPL we talk sport a lot they obviously loan players out sometimes part of the same happened from a industry point of view
0: yeah I think in my time in economic development and we've talked about this a, a little bit The term business clustering is quite strong over in Europe, particularly around the sort of Scandinavian companies, countries and things like that, where the whole idea around business and your frontline product or service, and then you've got these immediate competitors that you almost sort of need to build these walls around your business to protect what you've got. They sort of push away from that. I mean, we still hold on to that a hell of a lot in Australia. You might be sitting there right now and going, oh, what are these guys even talking about? If I call up the bloke down the road offering XYZ, the same of me, he's going to tell me to go jump. But if you're able to break down that initial barrier and that initial idea around competition and go, well, Hey, let's just sit back, have a coffee or a beer and go right on. Myself or my business and my guys are quite strong in this aspect of service delivery. You guys are particularly strong in this aspect of fabrication or whatever. And there's this massive government tender coming up and neither of us could have a hope in hell of winning that from an individual level. But if we create a joint venture and we combine our resources... We've got a much, much stronger chance of being able to, to win those sort of contracts and, and win that work. So really, on, on one hand, yeah, you might sit there going, oh, well, I've got to protect what I've got from my competitors because they'll eat into my revenue. But if you shift your thinking and looking at that sort of collaboration and clustering and joint ventures and so forth, you can actually open yourself up to a whole new world of revenue and opportunities and things like that. So It is a very interesting space, Daniel, and one that I've seen quite a a bit over the last sort of five years on how people think about working in with another business
1: so in your opinion then how should a business approach another business in the same space and maybe open the lines of communication in terms of setting up a collaboration what should they be looking for in another business and how do they go about identifying what they should give up in their business functions and what maybe they should look to take on
0: well i think ultimately it comes back to trust and rapport there's no specific science behind or magic silver bullet behind getting building a relationship right straight off the bat it's often over a period of time and getting to understand what both parties want out of a transaction and where there is opportunity so the way i would look at it depending on and probably a fair chunk of our audience listening is is potentially an owner operator so they probably sit there and go well i don't necessarily have the time to Go and talk to competitors on that level. But really, I think once you've made that decision and you've set some time aside in your business to look at that, there's so many different opportunities, like networking opportunities and things like that, that a lot of the local and state government places offer. I know, Daniel, you and I have had lots of conversations in the past with a lot of the industry engagement or employment people from some of these businesses which are happy to act as that third party intro to a few different businesses looking to achieve common goals and objectives so that's one way of doing it from a networking you know if you find yourself with a perceived competitor let's call them at a networking event it's dropping the bravado and dropping the ego out and being able to just approach the individual and with a mentality of, okay, it's not a pissing contest. Let's just step back and just have a really good chat, share what we go through and what are some of the opportunities. And you might find that way over a period of time and a period of catching up with someone that once you sort of break down those barriers, people are more than willing to open up a little bit more once they don't feel like they're feeling threatened or anything like that. So generally, I think that's the best way to go about it, mate, is being as open as possible. And that, that goes down to little things like how you speak and opening your body language and things like that, people pick up on a lot of those sort of cues. Yeah, and
1: perhaps some of that fear is even just underestimating just how much work is out there, right? You might think that you're sharing a slice of the pie, you sort of said you're cutting up what potentially you can get out of a job. But I think we potentially collaboration might be something that people see as a um, as a negative because not enough work to go around
0: to share components of one job. Just the other thing there, Daniel, is probably sometimes perceived as your own weakness too. That'd probably be a fair comment. I don't want to open myself up because I know that this particular process that i've got or the way i've got this individual i know i've got to take this action but i'm sort of pushing or pushing back on on not taking that action on that employee or whatever because they're doing some good work or whatever but i suppose when you start to open yourself up and you become vulnerable and that fear might come from your own sense of weakness as well or if i let someone else into the tent and start to understand what's going on they might point out some of the areas where i know that from an individual basis i need to fix but it makes it all that more real when someone else comes in and points it out for you as well
1: Hmm. do you think sometimes we may also try and hold on to trade secrets thinking they're an edge but we're actually not maximizing our opportunities from potentially being more transparent with them both
0: with customers and with other businesses oh without a doubt without a doubt short answer yeah okay so let's have a bit of a a shift then let me throw down this question to you daniel if we don't start to look at different ways of overcoming skill shortages and start to entertain things like collaboration what's the particular future of let's say the security screen industry what is the future of it what does it look like for the future individual or employee what are their skills look like what does an employment arrangement looks like if we don't start to look at doing something different
1: well i think there'd be some businesses out there that don't have uh direct succession plan it's not a family business um, it's all been sort of done by the business owner for, for the whole process and they might be thinking of retirement in the near future or somewhere five ten-year plans I mean if you're wanting to either sell that or have some sort of passive income come from it you probably you're going to have to have some structure in place to be able to do those jobs if you remove yourself from the business but the succession planning a big issue that might arise if people don't start thinking outside the how to get their business flowing without themselves necessarily doing all the work I think this year more than ever we've seen probably more more leads particularly sick leave and when you're scheduling customers and customers have also had to cancel a lot more because of sick leave as well so I think we have had over a 100 weeks worth of leave in the first seven months ourselves this year I think that could be a sign of what's to come, or could become a more permanent for business owners that's a lot of times obviously that's going to come from somewhere so that's coming out of your, your gross profit or or, you know, adding to the bottom line so you've got to sell more to just cover the cost of that not to mention obviously normally you can produce more in terms of products or coming into summer you know you want your turnaround time as short as possible so six just turns into any opportunity to maximize i think in terms of getting people into the industry it's got to be something that excites them right you got to have a reason to want to change your trade or be someone who's leaving school and go, oh, there's nothing more that I would like than to join the security screen industry. You know, I'm not saying there's not people that have said that in the past, but typically you may fall into the industry and some people really enjoy it, others don't. But how do you attract someone who's never even considered it? There's got to be more to it than just the job and people do like to upskill or feel like they've got a career opportunity ahead of them. So they can start somewhere and maybe end up doing some sales or doing a, a smaller version of what you do on your behalf. So it's like an agent model or something like that. they got to feel like they're working towards something. I probably could go on all day about reasons to collaborate right now. But some people out there listening could be one, if they lose one key person, that's the end of their they're planning for summer or they might not even have time to plan for what they want to achieve in summer because they're out there doing the everyday tasks right now themselves because they've already lost that one person or they've given up even trying. There's The quotes out there that are going to understand your pain more than anyone are other people in your industry doing the exact same thing as you. So, you know, if you analyze your own business and I guess the functions you do well and maybe the areas you have you know, that you feel uh, frustrating or you need to improve on and then another business did the same thing I think there could be some crossover definitely and you could actually find that you can build a real strong partnership with another business without dipping into each other's pies as such and hopefully if anything you're able to capture a bigger slice of the pie because you're able to handle things a little bit more efficiently.
0: Yeah, it really goes to show that you could turn a potential weakness there into an opportunity like using that common ground that you both share even like the example that you just used with losing a potentially talented or, or very experienced individual which is the cornerstone of your business that that must be a great fear for a lot of businesses i would imagine in this space
1: yeah you know what we definitely it happens in our business all the time we're trying to get better at it but you have this fear that if you lose someone your whole business changes and stuff and you probably don't spend that time instead of Fearing it, you don't spend that time investing in. Hey, like we've got this really good person right now. Let's make sure we're capturing the processes or investing in a junior or someone who's motivated to step into that space. Because we always think of it as maybe adding installers as a growth thing, but you also got to do it as Plan B in case you do lose someone. Because even if you don't lose someone from being disgruntled or wanting to change careers, you can lose them because their partners decide to relocate or move back home. They're not from your there's so many different reasons people have to leave a job they might unfortunately get sick or decide that they've always wanted to travel and have three or four months off and you you can't necessarily guarantee that there's going to be a job when they come back because we haven't Put the planning in place. So, yeah, I think we've dubbed it forced evolution. I think if you can constantly be planning for your next move, so you hire someone, what's the next move straight away after that? Who's the next in line or who's training them? Who from the other departments might be able to step in or have a, learned a little bit of the... Installation function or the manufacturing function or measuring because yeah, you just never know. You could just have something completely out of your control happen in your business. It can dictate where you go to from there and you want it to at least worst case sort of plateau and you can get control of it pretty quickly you certainly don't want it to cause you to start thinking about how to get out yourself especially if you can't sell your business so yeah definitely a lot to think about
0: absolutely so i think we've covered some territory based on skill shortages and this sort of little bite-sized conversation we'll start to dig down a, a little bit more into some of these other areas and challenges that people face in business. So just looking at the a bit of a wrap up or summary, we talked in length around current skill shortages, the external impacts on workers and things like that. And things like COVID, gig economy, no official trades, poor training standards, that sort of things. We then went into looking at, okay, well, what, what does the future look like? And that goes into certain things like transition of businesses and what happens to your business when you're looking to exit planning. If you've got these good, skilled and competent people within your business, where does it take you? And then looking at where the opportunities are next. So the collaboration piece, not being afraid to open yourself up and talk about where are the weaknesses and acknowledging the weaknesses you've got within your business, but also your strength and talking to perceived competitors or people that can... Value add, so you can open up different revenue streams and that sort of stuff, and just what Daniel's touching on there, which is having a think about. Okay, you've made a successful hire. All right. Well, what's the next move? Just doing a little bit of that that pre planning and the process, just to make sure that you're you're always staying proactive and in front of the game. It's always really difficult in business, and I think we've all been there before, where we've had to be really reactive. Daniel spoke about it before with the forced evolution piece. Well, it's really nice. Let's get on the front foot let's start to be proactive and go hey if xyz happens this is our plan we can start to execute so i think that's a probably a pretty good wrap up for what we've covered off daniel any final words or anything you want to add
1: oh just as you were recapping then probably also sometimes some of our weaknesses ourselves as business owners might be more to do with actually working on the business so not even maybe reaching out to whether it's a consultant or someone to help with marketing or accounts or anything like that maybe that's the angle you need to look at when you reach out for some support in those areas you might find that you actually enjoy working in the business not on it but you do want to see some growth so you could sort of look at it the other way as well
0: perfect perfect i think yeah. finishing on an uptake of growth is always always a good thing
1: yeah no it's uh, good to chat hopefully your listeners from that and yeah if obviously if anyone wants to reach out and start a conversation with myself uh, i'm more than happy for them to do so best
0: place to get you is on linkedin i'd imagine daniel
1: yep on linkedin would be great Beautiful. um excellent all right we'll do this again soon eh
0: sounds perfect
1: thanks mate